Hello. Hey, I'm, I'm just. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm uh, I'm coming out at the two minute warning right now. Um, but hey, we're gonna have a great night. We actually have some guests with us tonight, which is really fun. You'll hear a little bit more about that. But some of you guys know Josh Colasano from the Birmingham campus is gonna be leading us in worship. We have a good friend Dagan coming out. Uh, but we're gonna get started in a little bit. What I'd love for you to do: stand up. And actually have a conversation a little bit with the person next to you. Ask them how they're doing. Get to know them like it's the extended crunch. And we're going to get started on 0, zero.
Well, hey guys, my name is Josh, and I'm so glad to be able to be here tonight with you. Um, I love this place. I love this church. Come on, Kensington. I love this church family. It's incredible. And um, I love the Orient campus. Just so glad to be here. So, hey, we want to do something that we've done before on Midweeks. Um, We want to share a new song. I believe that the new songs can be new catalysts for what's going on in our church and in our heart. And our team heard this song and we just said, oh my gosh, this has reached down to the depths of my heart, our team's heart. We have to share it with our church. And we love when that happens. And so we're delighted to bring this song to you. Um, It comes out of John chapter 8. You don't need to open your Bibles right now. We're not going to have a mini sermon, but I want you to know that Jesus in John chapter 8 is speaking to the public. He's also speaking to the religious authorities of the time, and he's speaking with an authority that's never been heard before. In fact, they called it blasphemous, and they were questioning his authority at the time. And then he started talking about his authority based in his identity because he was one with the Father, right? So fast forward, who, who are we? We are his children, we are his sons, we are his daughters. And if you're anything like me, you might often fall into the trap of taking your cues from the world around you, or maybe people in your circle of influence, your job, your title, your position, your status, name it. But if you are here tonight, you need to hear, you need to understand either for the thousandth time or for the very first time that you are a child of God. And the Bible actually goes into great detail about who we are in him. So before we sing this, I'm going to pull my phone out because there's this list and I'm not a list person, but this list has reached into me and, and, and really confirmed who God says I am, not who I say I am. So I'm going to read this. And if If this is you, just at some point, put a hand up, shout something out. If if one of these hits you or if seven of these hits you, check this out. I am chosen. I am called of God. I am being changed into his image. I am a new creation. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? I am forgiven for all my sins. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am blessed. I am the head and not the tail. I am above. I am not beneath. I am victorious. I am set free. I am strong in the Lord. I am healed by his wounds. I am free from condemnation. I am reconciled back to God. I am joint heirs with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am accepted in him. And I am complete in him. So with all of that comes this freedom of identity that we find in God. And so if you are someone who maybe has not felt that freedom, you need to know right now in this moment that God is right there with you arms open. That freedom is yours for the taking. Song goes like this. Who the sun sets free Oh, is free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I am In my Father's house a place for me. 
Great. 
good to be back. That would be like six, six weeks. Six weeks too long. Um, but hey, you guys sound amazing, and uh, we want to do something really cool. Uh, just at midweeks, we, we really want to start sharing stories of what God's doing in our congregation, in our lives, because I think there's something really powerful when we know what God is doing, it also reminds us of who he is. And man, he is the King of Kings, and he is the Lord of Lords in the name of Jesus. And when he grabs a hold of your life, it is the one name that changes everything. And so some of you guys know our edge ministry, our high school ministry. They went on a mission trip down to Panama City Beach. I'm sure some of you have been there before. But they were there sharing Jesus on the beach. And we have a friend, um, one of the girls who went on the trip, Christina. And she's going to come up here. Um, and she's, uh, yeah, give her a hand. This is, this, is, uh, this is courage right here. And so really, Christine... Christina, like the Lord was doing something in her own heart, but also used her in such a significant way. And we just wanted to give her an opportunity to just share what the Lord was doing in her and through her. You get? <laughs> so yeah, just go ahead and share, share your heart about the trip, what the Lord was doing. Um, okay. So before PCB, I was like really discouraged because I wasn't hearing anything from God. And a lot of my friends were like, oh, God's so amazing. And, um, we, like, I did not want to go on PCB. Like, I had an entire email typed out to Jared that I was, like, ready to send. And I made my mom read it. And she's like, bro, we already paid for this. You're not allowed to back out. Does your mom call you bro? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and then um, I'm, like, so grateful that I didn't send that email. Because I went in knowing one person and came out with 13 new family members. And um, <laughs> um, so when we first got there, I felt like really blocked from hearing God. And um, the first day of evangelism, I like, it was a really cool experience, but I felt like I wasn't like hearing from God and I wasn't like, he wasn't working through me. And so um, that night I had a conversation, like a I don't even know, a long conversation with Jared about it. And he's like, why don't you try praying? And I was like, that's not going to do anything, but okay. And um, that was the first night that I prayed in like five months. And I like instantly felt felt a spark from that. And so the next day um, on PCV, we, it was the second day of evangelism. And um, I was in a conversation with a lady and then another person from our group. And I turned around and saw my best friend that I haven't seen in eight years from Indiana. And um, at first, like I knew she was gonna be there, but we didn't think that we would meet up because that beach is like a bajillion miles long. So <laughs> I didn't think I would see her. And then, um, so I ran over to her and I like tackled her in a hug. It was a good tackle. And then, <laughs> um, and then she was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, we're talking about God. He's super cool. And she's like... <laughs> Good evangelism right here. And she was like, oh, that's cool. And so we had, like, we started walking down the beach, and I kind of got separated from the group, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, and we were walking for, like, 45 minutes just talking about God, and she's like, I really don't feel like I have a relationship with him. I was like, I feel like that too, but you know, you work through it. He's there like 
during the dark times and the good times. And um, after, like, we were talking about baptisms, but it didn't last very long. <laughs> and then she, like, started to become, like, I felt like she was getting really uninterested with the conversation. So I was like, okay, we can wrap it up. I'll pray for you. And she was like, I asked her if I could pray for her, and she was like, I would really like that. So we sat down by the water, and I was praying for her. And, like, she was just looking out at the water, like, not even acknowledging the fact that I was praying. And I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> and then um, we, like, after I was done praying, she, like, looked at me with wide eyes. And I was like, are you okay? Like, what's happening? And she was like, can you baptize me? And <laughs> <laughs> How did it end? <laughs> well, I was like, I didn't know what to say. I was like, holy poop, you want me to baptize you? <laughs> she was like, yes. Like, I haven't seen you in eight years, and you just, like, led me to Christ. Can you please baptize me? And I'm like, dude, you know, like, a million people. Why do you want me to baptize you? Like, I'm not going to see you for a while. She's like, can you just stop talking and baptize me? <laughs> so um, we were going to go out in the water, like, where we were, but then my friend Delaney called me and said that I needed to go back with the group because I left them. And... <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm kind of about to baptize somebody, but that's cool. So I was, then she was like, I don't really, like, what does it mean to get baptized? And I was like, it's just like a new beginning, like starting a relationship with God again. And so she was like really hesitant about it. So I told her to pray about it until we met back with Jared and other people. And um, so we walked back, not just having did she get baptized? Did this happen? No. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I hadn't heard the whole story. I was like, I think she did. You're scaring me. Let me ask you this. What do you, what do you feel like the Lord taught you through all that? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, I guess just to stick with him. Like, even when it seems like he's not there, he always is. Give her a hand. And I just want to say... Like, as I heard that, and I think it's a, the reason I think it's so powerful when we share stories is what God does in one person's life, he can do it in your life. And so when I say this to you, this is for everyone, that no matter where you're from or how you're feeling, God can use you. And he has used you, he will continue to use you, and he is so in love with you. And man, like what a story of you stepping out in courage for you being obedient, even when it didn't feel with it and God showing up and meeting you right where you're at and using your life in a powerful way, not only on that trip, but also here tonight. And I feel like, man, like God is just so pleased with you and he loves you so much. So thank you so much for being up here. Can you guys give her a hand? And let me, I'm just going to pray for us just, just with what I said. So, Father, I thank you for each and every person in here, God. And I pray, God, give us the boldness that you gave Christina. Give us the boldness to say yes, even maybe when it's scary. Give us courage. And, and, and just fill us with your hope, with your faith, and just remind us, God, that you're moving. And even when we can't see it, God, you are preparing things in advance for us to walk into, to set us up, to see you do what only you could do. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. That was awesome, right? You guys could be seated.
We can be seated. Hey, so we're going to continue worship right now with the offering. So the ushers are going to come forward. If you're a guest, we're so thankful you're here, but this is just the time for you to give back to Kensington, and we just really appreciate that. And, and some of you guys know I'm not speaking tonight. I am up here, but we actually have Cliff Johnson from the, from the Beham campus. He's the lead pastor over there, and, and Cliff's going to come up. But I actually, I just wanted to, whoa, where are you coming from, man? And, uh, but I actually, I met Cliff before he met me because I used to go, he used to be the young adult pastor at Woodside Church with Lighthouse, and I used to go there when I was in college, and I went there um, just to check it out. I had a lot of friends that were going there, and I was so gripped. Let's just turn off. Hello? This is going to be weird, but I could lean in. <laughs> that was weird. He is amazing. I appreciate the timing of that mic cut. He was going to say something nice, so that's good. Let's keep us all humble here. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's great. It's great. It also makes me feel old. He's like, oh man, I was like in high school and college, and I was like, oh man, I'm 42 years old now. That's starting to set in. Um, but uh, listen, I was with you last year, March 1st. And there was like this, uh, this stage that kind of jut out. It was like a U2 concert kind of feel, which is kind of sweet. So I was a little disappointed that I'm just back here. I think uh, I might have been the one who ended it. It was probably too close, too close on my face. But uh, it was great to be with you. But uh, a couple things have happened in my family since that night, which is awesome and amazing. In fact, just a few weeks after that, we actually put an offer on a house we had been renting in Birmingham, and now we bought a house in Birmingham, which if you believe in miracles, take that one, because <laughs> that's not a cheap place to live. So that worked out, which is awesome. And, uh, and then, much more amazingly, uh, we adopted another child since then. So there's a picture of her coming up here any second now, of me holding her in the air, up in the air, it's gonna be a, a, it's gonna be this baby, and it's gonna happen, and I could just there we go. All right, excellent. I know it's an amazing picture, isn't it? So that's Harley Mae Johnson, and so now these are our girls. Next one is all three of our girls. So Harley's in the middle. Uh, let's see, it goes Lily on the left, Harley in the middle, London on the right. Eight, two and a half, and six. And uh, all three of them are adopted little girls, and we are so just grateful and blown away. And so now here's the full family, and I had to make sure I wasn't wearing this shirt tonight, because I've done that before. Uh, in fact, uh, it is a bold move to wear pink when it's snowing out or whatever's happening right now, or icing. I feel like, you know what, I'm trying to will spring here. I'm like, if we, maybe if we start dressing like it's spring, things will change. I feel like wearing flannel, like I wore flannel, I feel like I'm just enabling winter to hang around longer by, by staying in wintry clothes. So I was like, enough of those boots and the flannel, start dressing differently. So I'm ready for spring. I feel like baseball's like three weeks in and it's still snowing, so it's kind of ridiculous. But if I look back at my life, I look back at my journey, and those pictures are a great reminder, I look at it and I'm like, wow, have you ever just looked back at your life and you've just clearly seen God's hand guiding and directing the events and the moments that brought you to here even tonight in your life? What's amazing is I believe that God directs our steps and God lays out this path for us. But here's what's interesting. Have you ever noticed that even when God sets up a moment that you're like, I have got to do this, you still have to do something. 
Have you ever noticed that? Like, those three girls, we didn't go to our front door and have it be bing, bing, hey, we're here with little bows on them. There were phone calls and there was money and there was like investing and paying for adoptions and there were lawyers and there was adoption. I mean, there was a lot of late nights and long hours and tears shed and it was a long and incredible journey. In fact, if you remember the movie, We Bought a Zoo, and anyone remember that movie? Cameron Crowe, one of my favorite movies ever. There's a line in there where Matt Damon looks at his kids and says, you could do anything in the world with 20 seconds of insane courage. Remember that line? 20 seconds of insane courage. So he tells them a story based on how he first met these kids' mom, who dies in the movie. It's very sad, but uplifting, so don't be discouraged if you watch it. But um, he said, you could do anything in the world with 20 seconds of insane courage. So I look back at the journey that I've taken with Jesus in my life, and I look at those moments and those incredible blessings I just showed you, but each one of those was a moment that we had to step into as a family. It took courage. It took risk. In fact, if you're sitting here tonight in a relationship with someone, you know that that happened because one of you had to step into a moment, even if it seemed obvious, even if it was a setup, even if it was an arranged marriage with your parents involving dowry and payments, and you still had to show up. So I look at that and I say, there's still that human responsibility. There's still that moment where even when something is clearly laid out for us, and we're like, oh, this is amazing. This is God's hand. We still have to step into it. Philippians 3, you guys have been walking through this incredible series, walking through this awesome, awesome book written by the Apostle Paul. And so I'm going to read the verses for tonight. Uh, now, do they have you stand up here? Is that a thing I saw? Is that a thing? Okay, we'll keep that going. Why don't you stand up? That's great. Um, so we'll just read uh, these three verses. Ready? A one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. You can sit down. Um, it's a little bit of pressure when you're sort of reading with all of you and I'm on the mic. If I make a mistake, there's nowhere to hide. Some of you made mistakes. I heard you. But it wasn't, it wasn't broadcast. So Paul here, we're going to dive into this. And what I love is Paul is talking about this. He's using kind of athletic imagery. And we're going to talk about the race and running the race and stepping into these moments. But I want to just let you know uh, a couple moments from, uh, from my life, moments of insane courage that, that kind of happened. And I look back now, you look back at moments of things you did that were really smart. And then you look back at moments that weren't quite as smart uh, so we're going we're gonna to hear in some of the scriptures that we are looking at tonight that the way that they ran in these races in the Greco-Roman games was uh, they, didn't, they hadn't invented spandex yet. So that wasn't a thing back then. Uh, they had loose flowing robes and very restrictive clothing. And so when it was time for the big race, they stripped right down to the 
very, very basic necessities. And so you're like, wow, so not only am I going to get beat in the race, but everyone's going to see me naked. So that's awkward. But that's the way they ran back then, all right? So, so when I think of moments in my life, I think about the weeks leading up to when I got married in June of 2000. You're like, oh, no, where's this going? Please, no, don't tell us this story. I'm going to tell you the story. So as I'm preparing for this, I'm thinking I've got to get in shape because there's this grand unveiling that's going to happen. Thankfully, not in front of thousands of spectators as I run, just an audience of one, my wife-to-be. So I'm like, hey, I've got to lose a few pounds. I want to get in shape. I want to look okay, at least, you know. Uh, And so I went to the local health club, which I had been a member of for several years, but only been there a couple times, Uh, which it's nice to see I've learned from that. As an LA fitness member in Birmingham who's literally never walked past the front registration booth. And it's been 14 months, but that's another story. <laughs> so anyway, I go there, and I'm on the treadmill. I'm in the front row. It was a smaller gym, but you know the scene, right? Anyone go to a gym? And there's like that, it's like the rows of treadmills. Now, now they've got the computer screen, the TV thing, their Netflix streaming. Like, you're not necessarily always sharing the bank of televisions, but does anyone remember the era of the bank of TVs? And you're trying to watch the one that seemed like it, you were interested in it, so... The TV that was in front of me was something I was just not interested in. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't what I was doing. So I was actually running on the treadmill. I had a friend next to me, but I was trying to watch. I'm a maximizer, so I like to do more than one thing at a time. So I was watching like three rows down, who wants to be a millionaire? I think it's still on the air now or something, but man, back in the year 2000, Regis Philbin with the silver ties. I mean, it was like, it was at night. It was like events. It was an event, television event. So, so I'm there and I'm running and I'm running as hard as I can and I'm answering the questions out loud to impress whoever was impressed by that. I'm like, 1968, Moby Dick, Steven Spielberg. Like I'm just getting all these in. Ronald Reagan, I'm just yelling stuff out. Well, unfortunately, as I'm running, you know, there's this thing about balance when you run that like scripture talks about keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. And when they ran in these games that Paul's talking about, they had their eyes fixed on the goal, the finish line. It was a pillar in this area. So they, you run straight. If you look to the side, you know, you can kind of throw off your balance a little bit. And so I'm running as hard as I can on a treadmill and I'm looking over here and I'm answering. And at some point, this leg stepped off the moving little contraption there and it spun me around and it shot me into the second row of runners and so I stand up bloodied and bruised I'm like wow that was a great workout you should try that it was CrossFit before that was a thing Uh, so that was on the Monday Uh, on Thursday of that week I decided that uh, maybe I should go to a tanning salon because I'd never been to one so as a maximizer, if I find out that like I'm not getting a good deal, I struggle with that. So I walked in, and she's like, you ever been here before? I'm like, no, never. And she's like, do you have any suntan lotion? I'm like, no, I don't need suntan lotion. Come on. Whatever. I don't need that. I'm 24 years old. I've learned a thing or two. And she's like, well, we suggest your first time level one for eight minutes. I'm like, what? Eight minutes? How much is this? Ten bucks? Well, what's the most I can get for my money? well, you can go level three for 22 minutes. I'm like, that's what I want. Give me that. She's like, no, sir, I really don't recommend that. I'm like, listen, I don't want to spay all, I'm looking at the money, I'm looking at the plans, and they want to charge 70 bucks for this fancy, like, suntan lotion. I'm like, forget it, just, I don't need lotion. Just give me level three, give me the maximum, I'm going to get my money's worth. 
So I entered this casket of skin cancer and, <laughs> and decided to expose one particular section of me that had never seen the sun before because the great unveiling of wedding night was coming and I was in there for 22 minutes and I started to feel this weird sensation on my body like something chemically was happening. Like that scene with Peter Parker where like his blood constantly, like his stuff starts changing in his body chemistry. So I emerged from that cocoon of death and I could not sit down for six days. This is me. But I won't sing that song for you either. This is me. Okay. So... Keep your eyes on the prize, moments of courage, running naked, it all tied into the message. We're going to get there, I promise you. So, in Philippians 3, verse 12, Paul starts out by telling us a little bit about his journey. He starts out by saying to us, he says, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. He's saying this journey that I'm on, this, this, this relationship with Jesus, he's talking about the journey to maturity. And he had just got done over the last several weeks, you've heard people talk about Paul saying like his qualifications, you know, I'm, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, I was circumcised in the eighth day, I was a Pharisee, as far as zeal, I persecuted the church. Like he had a stellar resume, but he's saying I, all of it is worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ. So he's talking about his journey that he's been on. He's saying that during this journey, he's a lot of trophies. He has a lot of accolades that he could point to. But he says all of it's worthless, worthless compared to knowing Jesus. You look at Paul's life and you look at him and you see, my goodness, when he shows up in Acts chapter 8, he's a part of the Sanhedrin. We learn later, he says, I was a rabbi training at the feet of Gamliel, which is this uh, incredible rabbi. In fact, they, they called him Rabban Gamliel because he was sort of like so esteemed among rabbis at that time. And so Paul would have left his family for sure at, at, at five or six. He would have memorized the Torah from five to ten. From ten to fifteen years old, he would have memorized the rest of the Hebrew Bible or your entire Old Testament. And then at 15, he would have applied to Gamaliel to be one of his disciples. At that point, Gamaliel obviously said yes, and he traveled with him, and he spent all of his time with him. And so by nearly 30 years old, he was now serving in the Sanhedrin on this ruling council. He was a Pharisee, but he all, we find out that he was working under the high priest's orders to go and persecute Christians. The high priest was a Sadducee. Pharisees and Sadducees do not get along normally. They have very different views about the Bible and theology. And yet Paul was such a rising star in Judaism that he knew how to cross the aisle, the Republican who could work well with Democrats or whichever system you want to look at. He was on the fast track. And he's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians and to find them and do what he's doing. And on his way there, what happens? He meets Jesus, the resurrected, risen Jesus, says to him, Saul, Saul, his name was Saul at that point, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you? He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He has this moment with Jesus, and it changes his life. He goes to a man's house by the name of Ananias. And God tells Ananias that Paul's coming and he needs to care for him. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. Paul? 
or excuse me, Saul, the one who's persecuting Christians, he's grabbing my friends, he's throwing us in jail, he's having people killed. Are you sure he's someone we need to, to take care of? And God says to him in this beautiful way, he says, he is my chosen instrument to make my name known to the Gentiles in front of kings and also to my chosen people, the Jews. But don't worry, he has no idea how much he's going to suffer for my name. It's in Acts chapter 9, 15 and 16. It's a 16 and 17. It's a powerful but also scary, foreboding thing. So Ananias is like, okay, I'll take him, bring him in. As long as he's going to suffer for what he's done, bring him to me. Isn't that amazing? Did you hear what was said in that? At the moment where Saul, at this point, is blinded from seeing Jesus, he's wandering and has no idea what he's going to do next. God's plan for him was clear. I'm sending him to the Gentiles. I'm sending him in front of kings, which happened. He stood in front of Herod. He stood in front of Caesar. He stood in front of kings and the Jewish people. God knew the race that Paul was going to run before Paul had even truly started this new course that Jesus had laid out for him. It's a beautiful picture. You look at that story, and then you think about, so that's Paul's journey. Now you look at it and think about what was your journey. What's your journey been like? Not too many of us have a story like Paul's, thankfully, with the violence and all that stuff. But boy, some of you in this room have unbelievable stories of, of who you were before Christ, how Jesus grabbed a hold of your heart and changed your life and the journey that he's led you on since then. It's an incredible story of your journey. Here's what's amazing. No two of our journeys in this room are the same. Nobody has got the same story here as anyone else. God is moving in an individual way with you, and he's got an unbelievable path laid out for you. It may not be easy, but it is specifically for you. In fact, listen to Hebrews 12. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, again, race imagery, throwing off the cloaks, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see it there? It's saying we all have a race, every one of us needs to run, and there's a race that's been marked out. There's a course that's awaiting each one of us. Anyone a marathon runner out there? Anyone done one before? Yeah, it's like 1% of the population, so that plays about right. Uh, as you're running on a course, you see the way it goes. They've got the sticks. They've got the signs. They've got people. You know, you kind of know the course. And this is, but Detroit Marathon, which I was a part of last year, I ran in a marathon relay team for Hope Water. Um, yes, I got the 2.9 mile leg of the journey. <clears throat> so... And I got to be honest with you, I was dying. I was truly, I'm like, what is wrong with me? I should be, but I, I yeah, you don't train, you don't think it's just going to magically happen, right? That's another story. You look at that and you say, there's a race that's been marked out for us individually. Now, think about that. Now think about this, Ephesians 2.10, also written by Paul. He says, for you are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for you to do. Now think about those two ideas. There's a race that's been marked out for us based on what God's done in your life and what he's laid out for you. And then on that race, what's awaiting you? Moments. 
He says that there's good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. So it's the next level on your video game and you're running forward and you've got this stuff awaiting you, moments for you to step into. But here's what's amazing. So many of us see those moments when they arrive and maybe it's something as simple as doing an act of kindness for someone or maybe it's sharing your faith with someone on the beach on your PCB trip. Or maybe it is something at work where you just choose choose kindness, whatever it may be. And, and, And you see the moment that happens and how many of us allow fear to keep us from doing that thing that we know we need to do. I know this is a moment. I know this is an opportunity. Someone's talking about a movie that I love. I could totally step in and get to know them and correct their wrong thinking and then maybe win them to Jesus later. Whatever the moment may be, you're like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. But so many of us, because of fear, shrink back and allow that moment to pass us by. Here's what I love about the first part of that verse is not only do we serve a God who is a race marked out for you, for you to run. But we also serve a God who says that you are his workmanship, masterpiece. He has carved you. He has made you. He has molded you. He has sanded you. You look at your life. What does that mean? You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which means that your strengths, your weaknesses, your talents and your gifts, your mind, your voice, your job, your family, your friends, where you live, where you've been, what you drive, all that stuff. God has used that to craft a story that he intends to use. He's crafting a story for you to step into when the moment arrives. There's a race that we're running and on this race are moments that God has created for you to step into And just like Matt Damon said, you just need 20 seconds of insane courage sometimes to do it. Think about those big decisions you made. You asked her out for the first time. Oh, it took everything inside of you. I remember I liked the girl so much in 10th grade. I would stand outside late at night and I would rehearse how I was going to talk to her about it. Because I couldn't tell if she liked me or not. It's the worst. Ladies, just help us. Please help us. I couldn't tell. Does she like me? Is she not? In third grade, I just did the whole, I wrote all the girls' names down with a box and said, check yes if you like me and no if you don't. That was very simple back then. Maybe we should go back to that. I don't know. Do like a little poll on your Instagram. If you like me, say yes and leave your credentials. I just remember I could not get out. I would see her at school and I'd be like, I can't say any. I can't do it. I just, the fear would just grip me. And yet, at some point, I sat down with Angela, my wife, that was in that third picture earlier. And we had been great friends for two years. Totally loved to be together. And something happened in my heart where I'm like, she's the one. I didn't tell her she's the one because that scares them. Um, I waited till later. But I said to her, I wanted to be very accurate with how I told her that I liked her. Like liked her, liked her more than just friendship, but like wanted to like romance her or whatever. So I said to her, I said, Angela, I would like to pursue you romantically. That's what I said. Boys. 18 years later. Now, what she said to that actually was, oh, that's interesting because I have a crush on your roommate. But yet I still won. 
Thankfully, our parents had worked out an arrangement. It was, uh... <laughs> God is crafting this story. And the moments that are there, do we step into them when we see them? Here's the thing. When we have those moments, we can know that there's a God who has prepared us for them. Have you ever noticed how weird it is when you step into a moment? A moment's there, and it's like, wow, this guy I just started working with happens to go to the same college I went to, and he knows this guy I know. You're like, this is like an amazing opening to talk to them. You're like, what an unbelievable coincidence. It's not a coincidence, but we need you to step into that moment because if you don't, We're missing something. The kingdom of God is missing something. When we don't step into those moments that God has crafted for us to do, it has implications beyond that conversation, beyond the fear you're feeling, beyond that moment. It can have implications that go generations. When we step into the moments that God has crafted for us and we get that 20 seconds of courage and we do that thing, all of a sudden, it's amazing to see what God can do through it. That's how the movement of Jesus Christ happens on planet Earth is by a bunch of people like you and like me just being willing to step into the moments that God crafts for us. And we're ready because he's made them for us on the race he's marked out for us after he has shaped and molded us and prepared us. It's a beautiful picture to me. Look what Paul says. Philippians 3.13. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. We're going to stop there for a quick second. Forgetting what lies behind. Now, for some of you, that's a past that you want to get rid of. That is something you're like, I need to get rid of this. I made horrible mistakes. I'm done with that. Forget it. I want to be finished with all of that. But what's interesting about this is it's not just the past he's talking about. Forgetting what is behind is more than just the mistakes we've made. In fact, forgetting what is behind also can refer to the wins and the victories and the highlight reel. Forgetting what's behind, because how many of us struggle, we're all about forgetting the past where we made mistakes, but we want to relive the past that we were the champion in. We want to go back to that moment. We want to say, God, take me back to the past. Take me back to that place where I was before. I want to get back there. And we look at this formula and we look at this and we say, this is how I get back there. So for you, it's like, I want to get back to that missions trip I took. Because on that missions trip on PCB, I was so close to God. I was so courageous. I was so fearless. And we're thinking, if I could just get back to that place, I'll find God again. Or you're like, that conference that I went, it was so stirring and so amazing. If I could just get back to that conference I'll get back when I need it. You ever feel that way? And you're like, boy, if I can just, if I can just get back into that pair of jeans, then everything's going to be okay. And you put them on, you're like, wow, these aren't even in anymore. What have I done? We look back at those moments and we think, if I can just recreate that formula, if I can just get back into that place with God, boy, everything will be okay. He's saying, no, don't just forget the bad stuff. Forget even some of the good stuff. Why? Because we can rest in that. And he's saying, keep running, keep moving forward. Paul's like, hey, if anyone could do that, I can. Remember my resume? I say, forget all of it. I just want what's next with God. It's a beautiful picture. He goes further and says, straining forward to what lies ahead. 
This word for straining is a Greek word that, that refers to being deliberate, strenuous, maximum effort, straining forward like a runner who is extending every ounce of energy to reach the finish line. It's this full effort pushing forward to see what's next. So where should our eyes be as we run this way? Where should we be looking? Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look through those distractions and look to Jesus. In fact, Galatians 5.7, Paul says, Hey, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who distracted you? Who stopped you? It's like it's not God who does that. It's someone else who did that. You were running great. Who cut in front of you? And some of you tonight, myself, we've had seasons where we have just stopped running. We were running. It was great. And we're moving. And we're looking ahead at Jesus. And we're moving. And something happened. Discouragement. A loss of relationship. Heartbreak. Whatever it may be. And we stopped running. And we sat down. And you look at that, when you sit down, all you have to do is look back because you've clearly stopped moving forward. You sit down and start talking about the glory days. You sit down and start pointing back to the trophies. Someone cut in on you, you were running great. Get back up and keep going. Here's the beautiful picture of all of this. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's the idea. We need to pursue Jesus in the life you are living right now. Not the one you lived five years ago when you were doing great. He wants you to relate to him, to connect to him, to love him, to serve him, to run for him. Right now, forgetting what's behind, the bad and the good, and striving forward. This is what John Piper says. John Piper says, the point is, only look back for the sake of pressing forward. Never substitute nostalgia for hope. Memories of successes can make you smug and self-satisfied. Memories of failure can make you hopeless and paralyzed in your pursuit of God. Never look back like that. Give humble thanks for successes. Make humble confessions for failure. Then turn to the future and go hard after God. Whew. Boy, there's truth right there, isn't there? We need you to keep running. We need you to stand up and get back in the race. The race is made for you. It's your course. In Acts 20, Paul says, I have finished my course. Meaning, personal course. God's plan for him, and he ran it. We need you to keep running. We need you to rise up and start to run again. Because when you start to run, guess what happens? The kingdom of God moves forward one heart, one moment, one courageous act at a time. And the race that you're running is not the race I'm running. You've got to run your race so you can reach someone that I'll never meet. But they're waiting for you at your job. They're waiting for you at your gym. They're waiting for you at your school. They're waiting for you at your house. God has placed these moments for you. And it depends, everything depends on you stepping into them with courage. And you're not alone. The Spirit of God empowers you and enables you to step into those moments that God has created for you. We need you to keep 
running. Keep striving. God, I pray for this room. I pray for those of us who have been knocked down. We've been shut down. We've been brokenhearted. We've felt the sting of rejection and we have stopped running. And God, we've lived off the past. We pointed back to who we used to be and how great things used to be and we have stopped moving. God, I pray for courage tonight. I pray for healing tonight. I pray for passion tonight to get us back into the race that you have crafted for us. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Give us the courage. Give us the bravery to step out and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.
tonight, you've stopped running because you've lost heart. You've stopped running because of discouragement. You've stopped running because you lost sight of the course that God has laid out for you. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not lose heart and become discouraged. I love that picture of Jesus seated at the right hand of God and you see him as you run. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 18, he says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We need you to keep running. We need you to stand up tonight, whatever season you're in, whatever the pain is, and rise up and move forward. You know what I noticed? When it talks about the race, it says straining, trying, pushing, and it says perseverance, but you know what it doesn't say? Fast. It's not about how fast you run. It's just that you're moving forward. Just keep moving. Some of you could sprint. Some of you are crawling. Some of you are jumping and leaping. But we just need to keep moving, trusting the course, trusting God, and trusting that he's created you for this. Some of you have stopped running, not because of discouragement, but you've stopped running because of fear. Because fear is real. Fear, it says, wow, you're running so great. Who cut in on you? Fear stops us so many times. We battle that fear. And so our prayer for you tonight is that you would experience freedom from the chains of fear that have held you down. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. There's, it says perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect love is Jesus. And so we walk in the freedom that is ours. When we love him, fear has no place. That's not from God. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So when we fix our eyes on him, we move forward in the race he's marked out for us. Fear has no place there. And so we pray for freedom from that. We pray that you would experience tonight the chance to stand up, get out of whatever chair you're in, if you're laying on the ground, to stand up and just start moving forward again, free of the shackles of fear, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, following him until the day he calls you home. Let's sing out now about the freedom we can have from fear, that we are no longer slaves to fear, but now we are children of God running the race he's marked out for us. Let's sing that together. And you unravel me with the melody as you surround me. song. 
your specific calling, your purpose, how to love your neighbor. So if you're interested in that, it's going to be an amazing event. Awesome guest speakers are going to be in town for it. KenzieDinChurch.org slash move out. And additionally, we're back here Sunday, unless there's a snowstorm. I don't think there will be. Riding the storm, week three. You guys have an awesome night. We love you. Have a blessed week. Amen.